and welcome to Curated Spaces, the podcast that explores the stories behind spaces reimagining how we stay, work and play. Join me, Molly Cooper, as I sit down with founders, owners and thought leaders to hear about their journey of bringing a space to life. Great spaces shape our lives. They inspire, nurture and connect us. But most importantly, they bring us together to share life's milestones with the people who mean the most to us. So whether you're a traveller, foodie or design seeker, join us as we celebrate the power of spaces and the brilliant people behind them. Today I'm in the heart of Marleybone in London, where I'm sat in Home House, an incredible building with a history spanning nearly 250 years. What started out as an exclusive pleasure pavilion for the Countess of Home is now a members club that spans across three townhouses overlooking Portman Square. And it's a huge pleasure to introduce Andrew Richardson, Managing Director of Home House, who is going to tell me all about this space's remarkable journey and what life looks like for its members today. Andrew, welcome to Creative Spaces. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you, and uh, thank you, you, thank you for inviting me along uh, today to discuss uh, home house. So uh, it's a, it's a pleasure. No, it's all mine, honestly. Mm. Um, I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, I'd love to hear a bit about your background and how you've ended up here. Okay. Well, often I've been asked to tell my story, so I usually tell a story. It's about KP to MD. Uh, my first um, job, the tool that I was given, was a paint scraper. Um, and that actually was to help um, scrape the bottom of the dirty pots that were left for me um, by the chefs of a hotel that I, that I went to work in. So it was, it was a part-time job uh, in my school holidays, needed a bit of money mm-hmm. and, and worked as a kitchen porter, which led me to have an interest in hospitality and uh, go on to become a chef. So my first role, in, in I went to obviously catering college, uh, became a chef, and that journey took me into London here, at the, sort of the Park Lane Hotel in the Dorchester. Um, then it, I went on to work in Paris, took me to Hong Kong, uh, and, and sort of back to the UK and eventually got involved in hotel management. So mm-hmm. I've had jobs ranging from washing the pots through to bar work, chef work, hotel manager, and eventually here to Home House, which was a pretty much a mixture of all the, the disciplines and the learnings of, of that career. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a very short version of, of my career. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun and interesting times in different establishments, but mm-hmm. um, working in a members club with bedrooms, a nightclub, restaurants and bars and function space. It's just a discipline of all, a mixture of all those disciplines. Mm-hmm. Well, you've really tried your hand at a few things there, haven't you? Yeah, I guess I have. I mean, I mean, obviously, hospitality. I think if you if you if you enjoy it, you can achieve um, and go quite far quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you don't need a long university education. You need a lot of aptitude, a lot of common mm-hmm. sense, a good work ethic, um, and you've got to be, um, I think, a good team member. Mm-hmm. A, lot is, a lot is achieved through through the team. Um, obviously, there's lots of working parts to any large hospitality organisation. I think it's how you fit into the team, mm-hmm. and eventually, uh, I guess as you as your responsibilities increase, it's how it's how you lead the team um, and influence the team that enables you to to grow in in a career, which is. In essence, it's it's a lot of fun, and it, you have to enjoy the hospitality side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, 
yeah, I enjoyed maths at school, so I was pretty comfortable with numbers. So turning all that fun into a profit at the end mm-hmm. of it is ultimately what, what needs to be done. Yeah. And when uh, you're running a, a building like this, which is obviously, as you said, nearly 250 years mm-hmm. old, not only is it is our it's our strength as a real asset, but it can also be one of the the, the difficulties because the cost of looking after a building like this is it, it's consistently consistent and constant. You've got a team of engineers, but the job's never done. Yeah. Um, you know they'll start at one end of the building, then they'll go back to the other. Certain parts of it need refurbishing. Then you've got all the electrical and mechanical side of it and the plant. So it's important that um, the, the the business operates commercially in order that we can look after this mm. uh, historic building. And effectively, I just sort of say we, we are currently the custodians of a piece of history mm. and we're looking after it. And, and whilst we look after it, we, we do our best to ensure that our members um, have a good time, right? Which is yeah. what the building was built for. Absolutely. And I think it's so special spaces like this one, which are still going and mm. 250 years after being built, it's a long time and you walk around Marlebone and there's loads of new bills. Mm. And this, this building still stands here, pride of place, overlooking that square really is, gives you a picture of what London was back in the day. Um, would you be able to paint a little picture for people who maybe haven't been to Marlebone and give a little flavour of what this area of London is like? Sure. I think obviously Marlebone's quite trendy these days. I think when Home House was first built, I think anything north of Oxford Street was considered a bit of a wasteland. <laughs> yeah, you go from Mayfair, then there's Oxford Street, then there's somewhere else. But now Marleybone is, fir- is firmly on the on the map and um, it's a village in itself. And I mm. think, you know, the, ma- ma- the main landowner in the area, Portman Estates, um, who are our landlord here, they've worked very hard to curate, curate uh, a space where people can live they can obviously uh, socialise. You've got their restaurants and their bars and their shops and their and, and offices. Um, so it's a real good mix mm-hmm. and a good blend. Um, there's a good amount of community uh, events. Obviously, the location's very good, close to Hyde Park, mm-hmm. and there are some parks within within the neighbourhood as well. So you know, we work very hard and sit well within the community. We run a, a business which has a licence at till three o'clock and five o'clock in the morning. So effectively, we run a nightclub in in a, in a residential area. So we have to make sure that um, we take care that we don't disturb the neighbours. And actually, a lot of our neighbours are members as well. So, mm. yeah, to, you know, to, to live um, and sit as a commercial business harmoniously in what is a residential area, obviously, is, a, is something we have to, to be very careful and, and, and respect. But I think, you know, the area in itself over the 15 years I've been here, um, you just see these steady improvements. And I think mm-hmm. the importance of that is is the, is the round planning that takes place um, as part of, you know, it's uh, Baker Street Quarter is a business improvement district. I actually sit on the board as well mm-hmm. and, and it's chaired by um, representative from Portman Estates. But there's a long-term view, and that long-term view takes into consideration commercial businesses, residential businesses, mm-hmm. policing, you know, all the services, transport yeah. for London. And it's, it is interesting because, um, you know, planning, moving traffic is always interesting. You know, you get your, you get your specialists who uh, understand the movement of, of traffic around London, and you sort of say, well, we've obviously, there's some great things that have happened here. We've Traffic calming's taken place. Single roadways have been turned into, you know, to, to two-way. 
you know, w- what do you do with the traffic? And, and of course, the obvious answer is, well, we, we never solve the problem of traffic in yeah. London. We just move it. Yeah, <laughs> just move it to someone else's. Someone else's patch. So, uh, <laughs> but overall, I think home, Marleybone's become a really, really popular area. Obviously, Chilton Firehouse, when that opened, mm. that gave it a bit more kudos. It brought in fresh wave of sort of A-listers, probably similarly at the time when Home House first opened. Yeah. It was very unique at that time, 25 years mm. ago. We still have a tremendous amount of, um, if you like, celebrity members that would, would use the club. But Chilton Firehouse was the, the, you know, the new mm-hmm. trend um, and yeah. uh, brought in a, a fresh wave of PR, I suppose, to the area. <laughs> Excellent. I just then when you were talking about the nightclub open till the early hours, and I thought, ah, oh, it's funny because back in the day, this whole building really came about because one woman wanted a bit of a party pad for herself, didn't she, in the heart of London? <laughs> so, could you maybe tell us a little bit about the origins of this building and how it's evolved? Uh, yes, well, uh, Elizabeth, Countess of Home, affectionately known as the Queen of Hell, I believe. <laughs> Although, you know, there's, um, there's, there. Uh, there are no pictures of her, but the 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 um, she was incredibly wealthy, twice widowed in in, in her early sixties. So in seventeen seventy three, she commissioned James Wyatt to to build a, a palladium. Um, effectively, it was just a building to entertain the the glitterati, the royalty, you know, glitterati of society and royalty, mm-hmm. um, and that's what the, the, the house was built for. And, and she did that. She had she had soirees and parties, and she was a bit of a hellraiser, um, and you know, and knew what she wanted. And in fact, uh, when James White didn't finish the job quick enough, she sacked him and, and hired his competitor, um, Robert Adam. And Robert Adam made some adjustments. He ripped out the staircase and put what is now the cantilever staircase in in, in the centre. Um, and that was a big architectural statement. It was the first non um, non suspended staircase, so it's set into the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that's as soon as you walk into the building, you see that, and it's, it has it is very much a, a wow moment. Um, and it was up those stairs that um, she would, um, and actually, on those stairs is Annie Lennox's video "Breaking Glass" was ah, filmed. So yes. that staircase up into the drawing rooms, so if you ever get a chance to watch that video, that's that's, that's where it was filmed. Mm. Um, and obviously, in that in that uh, video, um, uh, the costumes were very much the costumes worn in the 18th century, of course, when when um. uh, the Elizabeth um, would party, and uh, she apparently um, would would have some pretty pretty interesting, wild, eccentric parties, and mm-hmm. uh, was renowned for selecting the gentleman of her choice. Ooh. And there's a, a secret staircase that leads up to to a, what would have been her boudoir um, all those years ago. No way. So yes, um, allegedly she, um, you know, she built the house and she she used it well. And um, I didn't live much longer after that, but. Okay. Um, Certainly, it, I think it's great when you tell the story, particularly for a lot of our female members. You know, this building was built, um, it was a lady's vision. Mm. Yeah, and all we're doing is using the house really now for the vision that she had. And that was so that, you know, the glitterati of society could gather and have fun. Yeah. And what a great vision. I love yeah, it's brilliant. And I think what's nice about it is that the building is, is, is actually still being used for mm. the purpose it was built for, yeah. which you can't, you can't say that very often no. today. Definitely not. And mm. it's kind of expanded, hasn't it? It's now spanning three townhouses. Mm. There's that gorgeous courtyard in the middle, which I know now has a sort of pop-up autumn-winter tent for outside yeah. uh, soirees as well. Mm. Tell us a bit about the house now. So it's a members club. What kind of people come and use the space and how do they use it? Well, I mean, our membership is incredibly eclectic uh, mix. And, mm. you know, and the values that we, we, we work to um, are all around unique people, individuals, um, 
bringing them together in a, a convivial environment, convivial environment mm. and building community. So, you know, people from all walks of life will come here um, and they're treated uniquely and we actually applaud uniqueness and colourful mm. characters because yeah. the, the eccentricity is really important. And then by simply allowing them to have fun and make new friends um, and that then the community grows. And I always say that, you know, if people have got lots of friends and they become part of a community, they really are less likely to want to go anywhere else other than stay, stay within their community. So, of course, the house is, or the club is now built within the three Georgian houses. I think there's overall something like 65,000 square feet. Wow. We have from sort of basement up, we've got a gym. And then obviously we've got a mixture of late night space, which a nightclub uh, situation, vibe dining. We've got several function rooms. We have restaurants, five bars in total. Um, and of course we have a, a large walled garden, which is um, in its own right in the summer is incredibly mm. unique, um, incredibly popular such a wonderful you know place to be um it's a sun trap it's a peaceful oasis and what uh, what really amazes people when they come into the building the first time they'll 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 pass the grand staircase and that really is a moment when they look up and sort of wow and then you take them through to the garden and, and there's this beautiful sort of raj tent situation a very british quintessential summer a fully served rep restaurant operation with lots of champagne and rosé wines flowing uh, people having a really good time i mean we, we get challenged occasionally because a lot of people who book tables for lunch suddenly realize they're having so much fun they just don't want to leave um, consumption is very good and it's yeah. interesting when people really get into the summer consumption can, can increase somewhat um, mm. but then we're in the business of not stopping people from enjoying themselves <laughs> so that works really well um so it, a mixture, and I think what we can do within the houses that we have is create a different environment depending on what you would like, what the member needs on that particular mm. day. If it's slightly more formal and sedate, they may well sort of meet in the, the, the glamorous drawing rooms. If they want something a little more eccentric and, and hedonistic, perhaps the partier side of the building is, mm. is House 21. Or if they really just want to, you know, look after themselves and their well-being, they might find them in the gym. Yeah. And two things you said that really spoke to me was the eccentricity and the uniqueness. And mm. it's funny because from the outside, it's quite an understated building. It's a very simple black door. And then, yeah. like you say, you go inside and there's that amazing staircase. And as you go, especially into the party side of the building, yeah. these bright interiors like a disco ball rhino in one of the rooms it's really quite a special place it sort of marries together this old and new but that sort of english eccentricity is definitely still at the core yeah no, it's so important i think um you know as i say to my team we, we don't want our members to come and just have a, just an, an ordinary experience mm. uh, a lot of us are time poor in life uh, so when we do have time to go out and, and enjoy ourselves. We want to make sure that it, it it's memorable. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, we have a, an obligation um, to con consistently make sure that people have fun. Yeah. And, you know, part of what we do, you know, the, the secret is in hospitality. You know, if, if someone comes goes to your home, you want to make sure that, you know, they have a great experience. So you're, you're mindful of what they're looking for, and then you do your best to ensure that that, that happens. You know, and, and by doing that, by by creating a little bit more fun, I mean, let's face it, if we go somewhere and it's a bit, 
you know, oh, there's a lot of serendipity, a little bit of cheekiness and a lot of fun. You, you talk about it, don't yeah. you? You go and tell your friends and everybody then says, oh, tell me more about that. Mm. Sounds sounds really exciting. Otherwise, if you say, oh, I just went out for dinner. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, who yeah. wants to know about that? So it's important. But of course, these days, people have had so many different experiences trying to provide something different and new all the time is, is actually, well, it's a challenge that we... Um, we thoroughly enjoy um and obviously uh, we've got our uh, halloween party of course in, yeah. coming up in a, uh, tomorrow uh, and that is you know we'll end up with 900 people here throughout the building and it is it is an amazing house party which is what it is we're a house and yeah. everybody dresses up we have lots of entertainment stage shows cabaret all sorts of um, uh, actors, actresses wandering around, mm. frightening people. But the biggest joy, <laughs> the biggest joy is just seeing uh, the, the, the effort people make in dressing up oh, and, right. and thoroughly enjoying themselves. So uh, that's looking forward to that. And, um, you know, that's just a, that's kind of when it gets magnified as to what, mm. what happens here. Uh, but we do we have four four big members parties a year, okay. uh, and I know that everybody really enjoys that. Yeah, and I think Ella was telling me about the new joiners drinks you have. Is it monthly? Yes, yeah. All, all new members are, are welcomed and we try and get them together with some of the existing members. Mm. Um, and we try to ensure that it's not corporate at all and that there's a little bit of serendipity and something that's fun about it. You know, I hate the idea of someone tempting, oh, go to a networking event. Yeah. Um, we all like to meet people through socialising, but we don't want to be told how and when to do mm. it. So I think it, you sort of create an environment where it happens organically and naturally, and that, that works really well. And, of course, everyone's got something in common. They're a member of Home House. Mm. So that's a nice little conversational opener anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and if the, if the room lends itself to... Being nice and social, then that helps, doesn't it? Yeah, and I have to say a lot of the rooms do lend mm. themselves very well to being very social. I think you said you had five bars here. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and they are big bars, all beautifully designed. I can see how people get carried away here. I'd love to hear a bit about the food and drink you have here for people to come and enjoy. Well, I think, um, you know, we've got wide range of cocktails a wide range of wines you know we, we've got very well stocked bars i mean obviously mm. i think if there's something that's on you know available we, we, we we've got that um in some areas it, it can change in terms of the ambience that people are looking for i think mm. you know we've got obviously where we're beginning the sort of house 19 and where the main restaurant is and the bar below there's probably a little bit more of the sort of um uh, wines um, obviously are more commonly drunk a uh, couple of beers in the bar or, and the usual sort of that's as pre-meal gin and tonics etc um, and then of course as you head into the drawing rooms where people might sit and have nightcaps mm. obviously you might get more sort of browner spirits you get your, your sort of the whiskies and your cognacs mm. after dinners as well as your early evening drinks i mean ultimately champagne flows throughout i mean we we've been working with the Murthy chandon for many years it's been our house poor for many years mm -hmm. but we, we we're renowned for selling a tremendous amount of champagne we keep the bottle price sensible mm -hmm. and obviously by doing that it, most of the time members aren't worried they just order a bottle of champagne so we'll be we'll, we'll probably shift 15 to sixteen thousand bottles of uh, just house poor champagne on an annual basis wow so because people see a lot of champagne being drunk, I mean, it's the drink of celebration. So if you mm. walk into a room and everyone's drinking champagne, already you've decided this looks like fun. Exactly. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. and I think that that helps. And 
when people come into sort of the House 21, the House Lounge, the nightclub area, then obviously that's a mixture of, yes, bottles, champagne, vodka, lots of cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it, what time of day it is, what sort of mood somebody's in, we, we've got a beverage that will uh, fit all. Um, you know, I've, and, and it's true. And I think, you know, certain trends come and go. Um, but we've got our own gym, gin now. We've got our own home house gin that's won uh, some awards, and we've that's just been produced. Uh, I think about six months ago we started selling it, and uh, I think it's it's excellent and it's it's selling extremely well, and it comes in a, a, a very attractive bottle. But the product's excellent, mm. um, and a lot of it, when it came to the the flavors and uh, within the gin was based upon thinking about the Countess and her journey, um, you know, all those years ago. Yeah. So, you know, hence some of the sort of the spices uh, that she may have come from the Jamaica where she, mm-hmm. she grew up. Um, so there's a bit of thought going into the yeah. gym and, and a story. Um, and actually, um, it's been very successful. Yeah. So she lives on today, the Queen of Hell in the Oh, yes, gym. yes, yeah. She's mentioned many occasions and uh, her... Her spirit and her essence uh, lives lives within the house, without doubt. Uh, I'm sure she'd be very proud of that. <laughs> I'd like, I think so. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? To, yeah. to, to, yes. You've had a house built for a purpose, and it continues to operate with exactly the same purpose mm-hmm. uh, 250 years later. Absolutely. And when yeah. you've had one too many champagnes or tipples of choice, you can then head upstairs, and you have some brilliant bedrooms here as well, which mm. are got- individually designed, am I right? Yes, we've got tw- twenty-three rooms that mm. obviously are all individually designed. They've some they've been named after sort of previous occupants of the house. They come in different shapes and sizes. They're all sort of designed around sort of the, the Georgian era. We've got some wonderful antique baths and, and showers. Um, mm. Incredibly unique, incredibly spacious. You don't get that much square footage, certainly not for the prices we charge for for the for the yeah. rooms that the members can enjoy. Um, they are popular. We, we've only got 23 of them. Um, mm. And obviously, um, very, very proud of them. Absolutely. They're, they're wonderful, wonderful rooms. Yeah. yeah, a good place to lay your head after one of the house parties. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And of course, they yeah, for when we have a members party, they're, they're booked up in advance. Mm. Uh, uh, quite right. As yes. they should be. And you're celebrating 25 years this winter. It is, isn't it? It's the twenty-fifth anniversary for the for the for the club, which um, makes us more of an institution, isn't it? Now, mm. I mean, in days where you'll get, particularly in hospitality, restaurants and bars, you'll have your fads, then there'll be trends, then quite often they don't last much longer than that. So, you know, to be twenty-five years old, I think, yeah, we we are firmly a, an institution. Mm-hmm. An established institution, established brand in in, in London, and, and known globally. Uh, I always think back to when I started here 15 years ago, and I, in the early days, I had to get the train into Paddington, and then I would jump in a taxi and sort of ask the taxi to take me to home house, and I could see them reflecting and thinking, I know, I, I used to go there, uh, and of course, it had gone off the radar a little mm. bit. Um, but I'm pleased to say now that I, when I do the taxi test now, it's not even a question. They know exactly where it is. So um, long may that, that continue. And actually, I've even noticed that we're on some of the tour, open top bus tours. Oh. And as sometimes there's a terrace out on House 20, uh, out of 20, House 21 that looks onto Gloucester Road. And in the summer, if, you, if you're there um, chatting or having a drink, and there obviously you can hear the guide on the uh, microphone, and, and then they're actually pointing out, 
home house the no members way. club yeah, yeah so you're part of the fabric now i guess so yes yes i wow. guess so yeah no which is which is great which is super exciting mm. well looking ahead then what does the next chapter look like for home house is there anything you're planning or things you're aiming for in the next few years well i think a lot more of the same um and um open to um, expansion if we can find the right the right buildings to expand into. We have our sister club, Homegrown, which is it's, which actually only opened uh, just before COVID and is now really finding its feet and mm. um, and doing very well. Which is an, it's a, it's a community aimed for entrepreneurs and investors and service providers. So we've got the two the two sort of concepts operations, and we're we're looking at opportunities for either of them to to expand um, as we sort of regain momentum, if you like, because obviously. Hospitality had a tough time through COVID, yeah. So it's sort of you know sort of filling the coffers, you know, strengthening up the balance sheet really, and then looking at uh, expansion opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'd like to see us um, in another world city, um, you know, a New York, a Dubai, perhaps for a large club and then maybe a smaller outpost or two in London and a country house. Oh, yeah. So that, that's a sort of the, the grand master plan um, on that we're sort of in discussions at the moment. That's very exciting. But primarily, it's making sure that, you know, the, the sort of the DNA that we have here, we're, we're running well and mm-hmm. uh, that the members are thoroughly enjoying themselves. And the champagne keeps on flowing. The champagne has to flow. If the champagne doesn't flow, we're in a whole world of trouble. <laughs> Well, it's been such a pleasure chatting. Before we do go, I do have a quick game of Dream Spaces to play with you. I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. And imagine you've won the lottery, cash that check, and you let me know what spaces come to mind for you. So the first one is, where do you escape to to disconnect and detox? Oh, it's always got to be somewhere warm, exotic, where Mm. I can sort of wallow away in the ocean in in nice warm waters. Uh, Let's just say the Maldives would be wonderful. Lovely. Very nice. Good choice. (laughs) This one's slightly different. I feel like you might have some experience in this. Your ultimate birthday party, where are you hosting it? Oh, well, I mean, I'd have to say I'd enjoy to host one here because I could obviously have a much bigger party, uh, probably (laughs) get a good deal out of the you know yes i could probably call in a few favors and invite a lot more guests to be honest with you i'd like somewhere where there's a lot of space where we can have an element of eccentricity a few surprises you know and yeah and curate something that is very memorable Mm. for 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 my guests yeah sounds like quite the party well it would be for sure for sure (laughs) i've I've been known to have a few over the years yeah that doesn't surprise me andrew (laughs) (laughs) and finally your once in a lifetime bucket list trip where are you going and are you staying anywhere special my bucket list trip i I think it would have to be a a trip around the globe yet to be planned but i would love to be able to um sail around the world really well my passion at the moment is learning to sail i think you know i'm sort of thinking long term but when i'm lucky enough to retire then i i don't want to sit and look at my garden i i want to um, challenge myself and i think that challenge would initially be island hopping Mm -hmm. learning to sail and then maybe if i was uh skilled enough confident enough um an atlantic crossing perhaps very fun yeah I, I, i'm lucky that you know my wife shares the same the same joy the same interest so uh, you know something something that we talk about and something that i really hope to be able to 
able to do at some point. That sounds brilliant. I hope you and your wife get your sailing expedition. And thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you. That pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Curated Spaces podcast. For more information and content around any of the spaces we feature, head to our website or Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to have new episodes delivered straight to your inbox every Wednesday. And if there's a special place in your life that you'd like to hear on the Curated Spaces podcast, please do get in touch as we're always on the lookout for more brilliant spaces to share with the world.